I think it's a fairly uh, common uh, belief or theme that most people don't like exams. I think most people don't like the idea of having to be tested in what they know or what they've done. And uh, there are often, when it comes to exam time, there are different rumors and theories about what the professor likes to ask and what the professor doesn't like to ask and the stuff that always comes up and the stuff that never comes up. I remember when I was uh, in seminary and um, came to our first year philosophy exams and the rumor, the reputation this uh, professor had was that he would never ask Immanuel Kant, a German philosopher, to foreigners. He would only ask Italians. He'd, so he'd always ask the Italians about Immanuel Kant. He's one of the hardest, one of the harder uh, philosophers that on the course, so that basically if, if you weren't Italian, you weren't going to get asked. So I said, grand, I didn't study Immanuel Kant. I skimmed, I had an idea, but it was fairly vague. Uh, everything else I had done fairly well, so I was, I was fairly well prepared, but just I just skipped him, because that's what everyone was saying. He doesn't ask Immanuel Kant to Italians, and I'm clearly not Italian. Uh, so I went into the exam, and I sat down, and he said, allora parla mi un po' di Immanuel Kant. I think you understand what I just said. <laughs> of all questions of all. I said I could, I, could, I could speak to you I could I could speak to you about Immanuel Kant but I could speak to you about many other many other philosophers as well is there anybody else you'd like to ask me about he said no 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 Immanuel Kant <laughs> so I, uh, I passed I passed like but anyway uh, sometimes even maybe in primary school there were one or two students who just loved the Friday tests they loved the, the, the Friday spelling tests and Tape, maths tests and all those kind of things. For most, most of the time, though, we don't like tests. We don't like exams. We don't like even the possibility of failure uh, or the fact that I now have to put my time into something in order to pass this exam. Like, if I'm going to pass this exam, that means I have to study. That takes my time. So this exam, all because of this exam, my freedom is limited. And what I do with my day is limited. Why? Because everything has to be oriented towards getting past this exam. Again, when it comes to academics, when it comes to sports, trials, uh, all those kind of things, it's a fairly, fairly simple idea. Jesus said to his disciples, stay awake because you do not know the day nor the hour when the master is coming. And you may be quite sure of this. If the householder had known at what time of the night the burglar was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have allowed anyone to break the wall of his house. Therefore, you too must stand ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now we have a couple of things to, to, to explain here. Kind of strangely, the Lord compares himself to a burglar. Uh, the Lord is comparing himself to a burglar who will arrive at a time we do not expect. It's, a kind of, it's an unusual, you know, it's, it's not, the Lord isn't always so particular. He doesn't always compare himself to little lambs. and that He's comparing himself here to a burglar. Uh, the reason being... And when a burglar comes, it's, it's quite surprising. You, they're not invited. They're not wanted. They suddenly turn up. And uh, any preparations you should have done or any kind of fortification you should have done around your property or alarms or barbed wires, it's too late. Too late now if they're already there. Okay. Similarly, we do have to... We do have to account for our actions when we meet the Lord. Not in, now, to kind of clarify this a, a small little bit, when it comes to the final judgment, there are lots of things we don't know, or the particular judgment, we don't really know how it works, as in, but there are some principles that, 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 that we can apply. But like, 
you know, there are lots of maybe jokes about it, like you find yourself before God and you find yourself before the pearly gates and a big book is opened and there's kind of like a court scene almost. You stand there and there's God and maybe there's Our Lady going, ah, but he wasn't so bad. Um, and, and we had this kind of, I don't know, this kind of image of, of, a, of maybe a courtroom scene. That's not the way it is. I, that's the way, at least personally, this is only my own opinion, that's not the way I think it is. Uh, I think it's much more a case of when we die, we find ourselves in the, pre- ourselves in the presence of God, who is truth. And we see ourselves as he sees us, just the truth. There's no kind of accusation or anything, but we see ourselves as we are. Now, seeing ourselves as we are, we might think that's a good thing. Not everyone wants to see the truth. Not everyone wants to see the truth of who they are and how they are. And maybe like you see the truth of who you are and you recognize there are mistakes, there are faults, there are flaws. And I can say, well, yeah, but they're, they're God's fault because my life was so hard. I mean, if he had given me a mother who was, who was tender and loving, then I wouldn't have been, become so bitter. Or I had like a, a dad who was abusive or, or uh, alcoholic, and that's why, that's why this part of me is so hard, so, so cold. Or if I had had a husband or a wife, or if I had had success, if I had had money, if I had... God, it was basically all this here, that's all your fault. So we, don't, we might necessarily react the way we think. So we can see these kind of injuries, wounds and hurts and rather than saying, Lord have mercy on me, we can start blaming God. Now if we do, then, then I'm saying I don't want God's mercy. I'm saying I don't want his help. I choose where I go. And the catechism, this is go back to what the church actually teaches, uh, the, the, the catechism is very, very clear that if we, if we must speak about it, that hell is, is chosen. Those who go to hell choose it. This, it's, the Catechism states, this state of self-exclusion, self-exclusion from communion with God and the saints is called hell. So we, we see the truth of who we are and we exclude ourselves. God doesn't send anyone to hell. But there are people there because they choose to be there, because they don't want God, they don't want his mercy, they don't want his forgiveness, they don't want his help. I don't need your help. I don't need anyone's help. And so why even when we, when we hear those words, even for us as, as human beings here on earth, why those words are so dangerous. I don't need help. They're dangerous words. They're, 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 because it's pride. Ultimately, it's pride. And it's pride that stops us then from accepting God's mercy. So here, like, the more we can say, like, the more we, we, we can, in a healthy way, lean on people, lean on God, work together as a community, recognize our need, recognize our own uh, sinfulness that's a good thing because otherwise I'm only counting on myself and that's just it's just very dangerous because we must learn to count on God and on his mercy so when when that particular judgment comes I find myself before him yeah it suddenly gets very serious because your life is now done as in your life on earth is now done you, you can't relive it you can't go back what's said is said what's done is done and that's it now there is purgatory then for those who, as I say, see their state of their soul, recognize they're not ready for heaven, aren't blaming God, still want his mercy, still want heaven, but can't enter heaven yet because there's all this to be purified. And that's what purgatory is for. So purgatory is a gift of God's mercy. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. There's also this kind of old idea that um, you have to kind of suffer a bit before you get into heaven. You know? So if you haven't suffered enough on earth, a bit of suffering in purgatory and then you can get in. This kind of strange idea that you just have to suffer. What is the point of suffering? 
Why would God just want us to suffer for the sake of suffering? That's useless. The souls in hell suffer. It's absolutely useless to them. The point is never just getting a bit of suffering or doing a bit of suffering or carrying a bit of the cross or something. The point is always, always that we learn how to love. The key to it all is that we learn to love and suffering can teach us to love. But the point is love. The point isn't suffering. The point is love. Like, when we love people who are difficult to love or who are, who, are uh, who, who challenge us, who irritate us, who don't think like we do, when we love people who, who we find yeah, very, very challenging, or when, we, when there are people who we might love too much and we have to kind of learn how to kind of um, temper that love so that it's always prudent and that sort of thing, you know, we're learning to love. It can be a suffering, but it teaches us to love. Carrying our cross is nothing more effective in teaching us to love than the cross. But, that's, so, but, the, but you see the point. The point isn't we have to suffer to get into heaven. The point is we have to learn to love to get into heaven. And suffering can teach us that. So God is always a God of love and mercy. Always, always, always. So when we find ourselves before him, he's not standing there with a big book and a big hammer ready to condemn. The Catechism teaches very clearly that he doesn't condemn anyone but maybe we don't want him. And again, you might argue, well, why on earth wouldn't you want God? And then we could answer, well, why on earth wouldn't you go to Mass? Why on earth wouldn't you receive Holy Communion? Why on earth wouldn't you receive the Sacrament of Confession? And yet, look at the world around us. We don't want these treasures. Or many don't. So yeah, it's well possible that we could see God as he is and say no you're not the kind of God I want it's a, it's a startling reality that we as little ants before the creator of the universe could say no <laughs> don't want you but we can and we do so so yes this this day is coming this day is coming when we're going to meet the Lord but we, we shouldn't be living in fear of it it's, but it's going to come for you and I, all of us. We're going to meet the Lord one day. We're going to see him face to face one day. But rather than living in fear and trembling for this exam, this test that's coming, let us be motivated. You have today. Do your best with it. You have today. Fill it with love. You have today and you, you'll know in part what your program is. Maybe you have certain things, you have shopping to do and things to bring here and there and people to pick up and phone calls to make and emails to send. So you have a certain amount of things you know that you have to do. Then there are all sorts of things that will be unexpected and will suddenly arrive in your door. Okay, do everything you do out of love. And that's it. That's the best preparation for heaven. Live your day out of love for the Lord. That turns everything into a prayer. And then we're just living in constant union with him. We're rooting out of our lives and hearts those kind of sinful tendencies that pull us away. We're trying to live in a, in a, in a, in a steady, stable way with the Lord each day that I might, might be perfectly united with him here and for all eternity in heaven. That's just such a, such a beautiful way to live. So we don't live in fear of God. We don't live in fear of judgment. We don't live in fear of our Father. Our Father wants us in heaven more than we want it. So we have nothing to fear. If we're doing our best and we're praying each day and we're avoiding sin and we're trying to live in his grace, live 
consciously in the palm of his hand and out of his mercy, then we don't have to fear. So we ask the Lord today that we might stay awake, that we might hear these words of the Lord, happy the servant, if his master's arrival finds him at his employment. I tell you solemnly, he will place him over everything he owns. So may the Lord find us at our employment when he calls us. And may we rejoice for him, with him, forever in heaven.